Now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. Praise God. God has given us a wonderful gift. It is a gift of his word. Thank God for that. The Bible reveals the sovereignty of God. And the Bible reveals God's love for us. Those are the two central messages of the Bible. That God is sovereign. In the beginning, God created everything. And God loves us. This morning message answers the question, why did God give us the Bible? Why did God give us the Bible? When we understand that, we will have thankful hearts, we'll spend more time in his word, and we'll spend more time sharing his word, understanding it and sharing it. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Thank you, Father. These 66 books, about 40 authors, over a time period of 1,600 years. And you promise God, you promise us, Lord Jesus, that your truth will endure to every generation. And thank you that we have it today in our language. Thank you. Now, O Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why did God give us the Bible? Well, firstly, I would mention, of course it is, that we will hear this glorious message that Jesus loves us. And he loves the world. And he went to the cross. He paid the price for our sin problem. He was crucified, he was buried, he rose again, he has ascended in heaven, and he is representing us there before God, and he wants the world to hear this message. He wants everyone to hear this truth that he loves him, because the truth is that people need to be born again before they die. They die in their sin, it's too late. Because the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. And we live to tell others, we who are saved, we who put our faith in Jesus, who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, 
we accepted Christ as our Savior, God is using us. He is keeping us alive on this side of eternity for that central purpose, to tell others that Jesus is your Savior. In answering this question, why did God give us the Bible? I want to make this first point very clear. Is that God is preparing us to serve Him. I want you to make note of that statement. Because the devil has attacked that statement, that whole understanding of as to why God gave us the Bible. <clears throat> and today, when people read the Bible, when people seek messages that are preached, they may have this preconceived idea that God has given me his word so that I can receive abundance of blessings from myself so that God, it is as though God is in heaven and he is occupied by just being concerned about my sense of personal well-being. And the more I have is the more he has to give me. The more he's supposed to give me. And he gave me his word just so that I can focus on myself and get and keep getting. And that is so far from the truth. The Bible says, pray, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up laborers for his harvest field. The responsibility of pastors like myself and pastors around the world is that God will use us to equip God's people for the purpose of soul winning. That's what God is doing. And yes, within the pages of the Bible, we will understand doctrine, how to live, how to deal with life situation, how to deal with marriage problem and parenting, decisions that we make. But the reason, the primary reason for even receiving doctrine is so that God can use us to share the gospel message to prepare us to serve him. Let us be careful about this, brothers and sisters. When we say that we are gospel Christians or gospel people, let us not take that word gospel and use it carelessly and make it into some type of experience where we are just consumed about self. For if I live my life and I say God has blessed me and he has given me abundance and if I stand up and share that testimony for the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, now I'm in my 90s and I'm about to die, what good was that to anybody else? No, if we say that I'm a gospel person, a gospel Christian, it is about serving Jesus. Amen. And serving him 
Not just being a good citizen, he commands us to do that. Paying our taxes, he even commands us to do that. Husbands, loving your wife, he commands us to do that. Parents, to train up our children, he commands us to do that. But that's not the primary purpose. To be a gospel Christian is to live to tell others that Jesus is their Savior. The Bible says it is God's will for everyone to hear this gospel. And it is God's will that everyone can be saved. Not everyone will be because man has a free will. Not everyone will hear because we have a free will. We have to choose to go or not go. But that is why God gave us his word. So I'm spending some time on this. This is very important for us to understand. We, as God's children, who have the word of God. So with that, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verses 16, all scripture, the entire Bible, all 66 books for which we should not add or we should not take away from, is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. It is truth. It is objective. It cannot be challenged. Should not be challenged. We don't We don't owe an explanation for the word. We share the word. We stand on the fact that it is truth. It is profitable. And holy men of God wrote that inspiration. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Somewhere between 40, maybe maybe 44 It is profitable. God gave us his word for doctrine. God gave us the word. And we we should personalize that. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me your word so that I can know how to live. I can know, Lord Jesus, what I have to say to people. That I... That you're letting me know, Lord, my very purpose for living. It is to tell others, Jesus, that you are the Lord and Savior. And then, Father, when I wander away, thank you, God, that you're using your word for reproof. You are convicting me, O Holy Spirit. You're working in my heart and you're letting me know, dear God, Without any dispute, something is wrong. My behavior is not right. I need to get it right. This is the problem that we have even in the issue of parenting. We're not perfect parents. I look back and I think, oh dear God, where I may not have been as strong as a father, please forgive me. 
And then, Father, Lord Jesus, only you can use even my mistakes. And God, bless my children. But make no mistake, by the grace of God, as they grew up in our home, they heard the word of God. This is how we taught them to stand on the word of God. This is how I passed with the word of God. <clears throat> I have no choice. I did not choose to be a pastor. God says that he will give the gifts as is pleasing to himself. That means no one dare come before God and says, God, this is what you have to do. And he has given every pastor the gift of teaching. He made that very clear in his word. We are apt to teach. And I have to teach within the word of God. And when we teach, as God gives us wisdom, and I don't add to, I'm afraid to add to, because it's the word of God. It's the very breath of God. Yes. And I am so afraid to add to it. Were there ever a time that I did not understand clearly and I may have taught something and had to readjust and change? Surely. But when it came clear to me, I was quickly to adjust it because it's God's word. And the Holy Spirit will use the word of God to change to people's lives because the Holy Spirit is nurturing God's people for service, to serve God. The soul does not like to, does not appreciate being taught. When the soul wants to move in a direction, the Bible speaks of the soul as that which is stubborn and want to move in one direction. But the word of God is living. It's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There is absolutely... No way under heaven that I as a pastor can convict you. I cannot even convict myself. There is no authority. I have no authority to speak something and convict you. I cannot convict my children. I cannot convict myself. I certainly cannot convict you. We have choices to make. It's the word of God. That very word of God that man disobeyed in the beginning. God made it so that when the second Adam came, he obeyed the very word of God. The first Adam chose to disobey the word of God. The consequence, spiritual death and physical death. The second Adam had to correct that problem for us. Mm-hmm. Amen. The only possible way that he can correct it. Now, there are two ways he can correct it. God can correct it. 
God can completely wipe out everything and then start afresh. But he chose to love us. And the only possible way the second Adam could correct it is if he had to obey the word of God. Be tempted in all form as we are yet without sin. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and he does that conviction inside of us. That's the word of God. If we absent ourselves from the word of God, that conviction will not be there. That's the reproof. For correction. Correction says now that you are convicted, it has to be corrected. There are two different, there are two things happening here. God says, now that you feel bad about it, you feel bad because you realize that you're disobeying me, that is God. God says, now you have to correct it. I'm not going to take back your choice. You still have to choose to correct it. The word of God is working in your heart, and you have to correct it. If you're in sin, you have to say, God against you and you only, I am sinning. If you keep on sinning, the problem you have to ask yourself is, why am I still sinning? Why is it that I am still choosing to sin? And even in that, you have to ask God, Father, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this. That is not a good place to be. Don't test God. Don't test him. Don't test his grace. Don't be saying, Lord Jesus... I will send so that grace may increase. If you are weak, admit it. God, I am weak. God says he will have mercy on us. Here is what not to do. Don't say God is comfortable with where I'm at because he knows one day I will be over here stronger, but he is very much comfortable with where I'm at. God says, that's a condition that he called in his word being lukewarm. And he describes it in an unpleasant way. Mm-hmm. He said, lukewarm means that there is something sour inside of your stomach. Yes. Something inside of you, like food poisoning. You don't bring it up, and when it gets here, you put your hand... And you block it and swallow it back. God says, I have to vomit it out. He said, it's better if you were right. I'll be pleased with that. It's better if you admit that you're in sin and in trouble. I will have mercy. But don't compromise God's holiness. That's the correcting part. Are you following that? That's the correcting part. The Holy Spirit. Just be honest. Be honest before God. 
That, that is David's heart when he says, Oh God, against you and you only have I sinned. And realizing his condition and his predicament, he says, Oh dear God, you have to create in me a new heart. Just be honest before him. Our Father in heaven loves us. And we who are born again in that we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are saved because God reached down in, at some point in our lives and we heard the gospel and God touched our hearts and he brought us to Jesus. And the scripture says, he who has started that good work in you, he wants to bring it. He continues to bring it to pass. Listen to what God is telling you. Listen to what your Savior, Jesus, is saying to you. So there is doctrine. God says, this is how I want you to live. There is reproof. That convicting part that makes us feel uncomfortable. And there is correction. For instructions in righteousness. God says, when I am, as I am doing all of this in my word that I give you, I'm going to train you. This is the instruction. It's a process of training. The Holy Spirit is saying, I am about to train you how to consistently walk righteously before God. Are we following this? consistently walk righteously before him. That's what God is saying in his word. It's all what the Holy Spirit is doing. To walk having faith in our Lord Christ Jesus, to walk opening the Bible in the day and reading it and having that personal devotion with our Lord, to walk asking the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray, to come into God's church, which he told us, do not forsake yourself assembling, to yield ourselves and say, oh Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to understand and experience how you're using me within your church, to be submissive, to have an attitude of submissiveness, to be slow to speak and quick to hear, to not live for self, to not live to want to demonstrate some personal power, but to be broken before the Lord. It is best described by Jesus himself. It is best described in the word of God when it is speaking about Jesus. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who did not cling to his right to be God, but he humbled himself. He is obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, the death on the cross. And this is why our Lord says, you take up your cross and you follow me. We take up the responsibility that God has called us to do, and we follow him. 
we follow Jesus. Yes. Why did God give me the word? Why did he give me the Bible? And when those, when everything, when it comes together, remember, it's not without a purpose. What is the purpose? To tell others that Jesus is your Savior. The definition of for me to live is Christ does not mean for me to live and get and get more jobs, more house, more everything, on and on and getting and getting. That's not living for Jesus. That's living for self. Don't play with him. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to say, surely God wants me to be happy. Matter of fact, God says the opposite. He says, if you live for me, you will endure persecution. He said, you have to be willing to give up everything to follow me. And sometimes he says, when you live for me and you live for the gospel, even your loved ones in your home, they will hate you for it. Your best friends will turn against you. Your siblings... Your husband, your wife, your children, and you live for Jesus. That's why we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel. That's not just about living a so called Christian life. That we know, but it is talking about living to tell others that Jesus loves them. Why did God give me his word? He gives me his word so I can understand my very purpose, why I breathe. You look for purpose outside of that? Oh, the devil loves that. He will always present something that makes the soul feel good, but the end result, it will always lead to pain and misery and disappointment. All scriptures, all of this, this is why Jesus gave it to us, this. is God breathed. Yes. God breathed. Way back to Moses, God himself was the first to write scripture on stone. And we have it today in the English language. The languages around the world and more languages, more people are being reached. Amen. 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 And what is the greatest news in the Bible? Remember the sovereignty of God and the love of God. We still have to deal, we'll be dealing with life problems, won't we? We still will deal with pain and disappointment and all those things. We still will deal with physical problems. Still will be dealing with arthritis and diabetes and headaches and migraine and all those things. But in spite of all of that, thank God. What do we have? We have this. We have the word of God. That says to me and says to each of us, when I die... I gain heaven. Amen. 
the greatest message we live to tell others from the very word of God. Yes. We don't. Yes, sometimes we have to understand apologetics within its context. Mm -hmm. Apologetics itself is not the gospel, but it certainly is a vehicle whereby we're able to understand people, understand their culture, understand their beliefs, and to interact with them, surely. But it's not the gospel. The gospel is this glorious message. Mm -hmm. According to the scripture, how that Christ came and he died for sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scripture. For those who are listening, thank you for logging in and listening to our church service today. But we want to share with you this glorious gospel message. It is not by chance that you are listening in on this truth. That Jesus loves you. And he does not want you to die not knowing him as his Lord and Savior. He wants you to come to him before you die. So I'm not presenting to you a religion. I am presenting to you, by the grace of God, God's love. That God, our Father in heaven, creator of everything, he loves you. And he provided salvation for you through Jesus Christ. And we want to pray with you at this time. I'm going to ask our congregation to pray for those who would be listening. It will always be out there by the grace of God, those who are listening right now. That simple truth, that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And that he went to the cross and he died for you. And he was buried and he rose again. And he wants you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Lord Jesus, by faith, I believe, I accept this salvation that you provided for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. I confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. God. Thank you you. for saving me. me. In Jesus' name, name. I pray believing. believing. Amen. Amen. God bless you.